Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on June 7, 2015, on the basis of 1 John 5, verses 5 through 12. I feel that I need to give you a fair warning. Because in just a couple of minutes, you're going to hear and actually speak a statement that will probably be a little bit unsettling. It comes from the Athanasian Creed, which is one of the three universal statements of the Christian faith. It's the one that we hardly ever use just a couple times a year, including today, the day where we focus on God being triune. Here's that statement. Whoever wishes to be saved must, above all else, hold to the true Christian faith Whoever does not keep this faith pure in all points will certainly perish forever. Now, some people would say, you see, that's exactly what's wrong with Christianity. Why can't people just believe what they want to believe and let other people do the same? Why can't Christians... Just live and let live. Why do they have to insist that they are the only ones who are right and everyone else is wrong? Now, it's easy to say those things about a creed. It's easy to dismiss those words as nothing more than human opinion because, after all, Christians are just people. The only problem is that just a couple of minutes ago, you heard another statement that when you heard it, and if you hear it again and think about it, it's probably just as unsettling. Only this one's not in a creed. This one is straight from the Bible. The Apostle John in these verses raises the question, who is it that overcomes the world? We might say, who's got it right? Who's worshiping the one true God, and who's going to go to heaven? John's answer to those questions? He says, only the one. Yikes. That's kind of a bad way to start, isn't it? We're already limiting things. We're already excluding people. Only the one who believes. Okay, well, maybe that's a little bit better. doesn't really matter what you believe. As long as you believe something, you're in good shape, right? Well, John goes on to say, only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Not just a pretty good guy, not just a great moral teacher, the Son of God in human flesh. John says, whoever believes that will go to heaven, and whoever doesn't, won't. So it's not quite so simple as, as simply to launch those attacks against creeds or against the Christians who confess them. Those kinds of things are actually found right there in the Bible. And yet some people would still insist that Christians, for saying them, for believing them, are arrogant, closed-minded, judgmental. Some people would say that we're all just worshiping the same God anyways and that there are many different paths to get to him. So do you suppose that we're, they're right? Do you suppose that we as Christians are a little bit too closed-minded arrogant, judgmental for saying some of those things. You know, honestly, I think a lot of the times 
people are absolutely right for accusing us of those things. You'll have to let me explain that, of course. You see, when it comes to religion, there are two basic presuppositions, assumptions that all people have about all religions. The first assumption is about how religion develops, how a particular faith gets started. And the basic idea is this. By nature, we as human beings sense that there's some sort of God up there. And we also sense that our relationship with him isn't perfect. It needs some work. And so we go about inventing this system of rules and rituals. We call it a religion to help improve that relationship with God and ultimately get to heaven. Now, of course, as different people in different times, in different places, do that very same thing, it's only natural that those religions are going to be a bit different. And so the fact that one person calls himself a Christian while another person calls himself a Muslim doesn't have anything to do with the fact that one might be right and one might be wrong. It's simply the result of the fact that the one person grew up in the Midwest, where Christianity is prevalent, and the other person grew up in Morocco, where Islam rules. The other basic assumption that people have about religion relates to its content. What is religion all about? And here the basic idea is this, that as we come up with these ways to improve our relationship with God, they will inevitably revolve around a set of things that we're supposed to do and a set of things that we're supposed to avoid in order to make God happy with us. Pray this way. Worship that way. Set aside a holy day over here. Put up special decorations in your house over there. Do all of this well, and God will be happy. Do the work, get the reward. So kind of the big question in front of us this morning is this. Are those two basic assumptions about religion also true about our Christian faith. Now, it might be really easy for us to sit here and sort of dismiss that question with a very quick and decisive no. But maybe the tougher question is to ask, do you and I ever act as though those two basic assumptions about all religion in general are also true of our Christian faith? How do you suppose that might look? Well, on the one hand, let's imagine for a moment that we're really insecure about our faith. We call ourselves Christians just like we have ever since we were young, just like mom and dad did, just like grandma and grandpa did. But boy, there are certain parts of our faith that we just aren't sure about, things that we have doubts over. Or let's say, for example, that we believe that the rules that we live by are are a pretty good set of rules for living. But boy, there are times when we just don't do a very good job of living by those rules, of practicing all that we preach. If that's the case, then odds are we aren't going to go talking about our religion a whole lot, are we? Instead, we'll probably view our religion the way that we view those quirky little family traditions that we have. You know, the things that you do with your family in your house that you would never want anyone else to know because they might think you're a little bit weird. You're thinking about them right now, aren't you? You're worried that I might guess what some of them are. 
inside your home, those things are perfectly safe, aren't they? But not things that you want out there for public consumption. And if that's how we view our religion, then we'll probably take the same approach. Fine for us, but we don't really want to talk about it with other people. On the other hand, let's assume for a moment that we're really secure about our religion. Let's assume that we believe that Christianity is the only thing that a sane thinking person would ever believe and that everyone who doesn't must have some sort of screw loose. Let's assume that we not only feel as though we've got the best set of rules to live by, but boy, we are doing a fantastic job of putting those rules into practice. Well, then we'll probably go around talking about our religion all the time, won't we? but not in ways that are good or helpful. When we see something going on out there in society, we'll probably launch into some angry rant about how we disapprove. We'll probably try to portray our lives and portray our families as though they're absolutely picture perfect. And when we see people whose lives are a little bit messier, we'll probably relish in the opportunity to look down our noses at them, to talk about them behind their backs. Do you find it difficult to avoid falling into one or the other of those two dangerous ditches? I sure do. Insecurity or over-security, quietness about your faith or condescension about your faith. Really, both of them are symptoms of treating Christianity as though it's just another one of many equal religions in the world. And if that's the case, for us as Christians to turn around and assert that ours is the only one that's right and every other one is wrong is exactly what people say that it is. It's arrogant, it's closed-minded, it's judgmental. So what do you suppose the solution to that is? Well, it's not for us to become less secure about our faith so that we, we kind of just keep it to ourselves, leave everyone else alone. It's not that we become more secure about our faith so that we go talking about it all the time, but in ways that are less than loving. No, it's simply for us to realize that our Christian faith is completely unlike any other religion in the world. Exactly the point that the Apostle John makes so beautifully for us in these verses. Like I said, every other religion begins when a group of people have a brilliant idea for how to get up to God. John tells us that Christianity started when God had the brilliant idea of coming down to earth. That's all this business that John's talking about with the water and the blood. Maybe it sounded a little bit strange or confusing at first, how Jesus came not just in the water, but the water and the blood. Here's what John is saying. The water is a reference to Jesus' baptism, the very first thing that happened as Jesus began his work. The blood is a reference to Jesus' death on the cross, the very last thing Jesus did in his work as our Savior. So John is telling us that from the very beginning of Jesus' career all the way to the very end of Jesus' career, the truth about Jesus was the same, that he was no ordinary human being, that he was God, among men, that he was God as man, that the blood he shed on the cross was the blood of God shed for man. Now, I don't know about you, but that is the last thing in the world 
that I would ever dream up on my own to put into my own made-up religion. In fact, all of this business about our God being triune, all of those carefully crafted statements from the Athanasian Creed that we're about to read in just a couple of minutes that, that even leave us as Christians sort of scratching our heads, they are the last thing in the world that anyone would just make up. And yet from the very beginning of Jesus' career all the way to the end, in fact, from the very first page of the Bible all the way to the last, that crosses 1,500 years, 40 different authors of books of the Bible in two completely different languages, in a dozen different cultures, the testimony about God is clear and consistent. He is triune, and Jesus is his son. The only explanation is that those ideas did in fact come from God. They're not the product of a group of people sitting around with wild, active imaginations. Okay, so let's assume that that's true for a second. The objection or the follow-up question might be, well, sure, but at the end of the day, isn't Christianity basically like every other religion on earth? Sure, Christians have their golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but Muslims, they have their five pillars of faith, and Mormonism has what they call a word of wisdom and a pearl of great price. And, and aren't those things all pretty similar? Love God, love your neighbor, do it well, God will be happy. Do the work, get the reward. Friends, if you've ever thought that's what Christianity is, if, if part of you even thinks that today, I completely understand. Because that's sort of our gut instinct to think about God. And in fact, at times, churches and pastors like me haven't done a very good job of conveying the truth about Christianity, of what makes Christianity truly unique. And where that's the case, like I said, we deserve every name that we're called. But if that's true for you, then I want you to listen carefully to what the Apostle John says here because it is a breath of fresh air. John says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. In other words, eternal life with God in heaven, not a reward, just a free gift. And if it's a gift, then there is no one in the whole wide world that that gift is not for. If it's a gift, then there is no way in the whole wide world it's not for you. If it's a gift, there is absolutely nothing that you need to do in order to earn it. And if it's a gift, there's absolutely nothing you can possibly do to unearn it. It's just a gift all because of God's love and all because of what Jesus has done. So if that's true, does it mean that every other religion in the world is false? Well, sure. Just like if any other religion is true, by definition, Christianity must be false. One person says that heaven is a reward. Another person says that heaven is a gift. One person has to be right and one person has to be wrong. 
So yes, Christianity excludes every other religion, just like every other religion, by definition, excludes our Christian faith. But friends, here's the important difference. If what John is telling us here is true, then only the Christian can successfully avoid both of those dangerous ditches that I described before. If what John says is true, that whoever has the Son of God, whoever believes in Him has life, and whoever does not, does not, then how in the world could we possibly keep our Christian faith to ourselves? Naturally, we will want people to know what we know and want people to believe what we, be- what we believe. But at the very same time, as we go about that, it is only the Christian who can do that very thing without the least bit of arrogance or condescension. Think about it for a moment. If your faith is true, do you realize everything that you're admitting about yourself? You're admitting that you are tragically flawed as a human being. You're admitting that you are beyond repair. You're admitting that if God gave you what you deserved, you would have a miserable existence here on earth and hell to pay for all eternity. You're admitting that if even the tiniest sliver of your salvation depended on you, you'd be lost. You're admitting that your only hope is Jesus. How in the world, what in the world is there to be arrogant about? So yes, Christianity excludes every other religion in the world, just like every other religion excludes Christianity. But Christianity also excludes in a way that is unique. Christianity exclusively excludes two important things, silence and arrogance. If our Christian faith is true, then we naturally want everyone to know this wonderful news. We naturally want everyone to believe what we believe. And yet only if this is true can we possibly go about that in a way that is completely loving, kind, gentle, and respectful of others. So yes, Christianity excludes silence and arrogance. Because when it comes to eternal life, Christians, just like Christ, want nothing more than for everyone to be included. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.